In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father-in-Law, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. On the Solemnity of the Blessed Trinity, let's begin our prayer listening to Saint Paul, who invites us to lift up the eyes of our soul and of our mind to the mystery of God. He tells us, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows what is truly human except the human spirit that is within? So also no one comprehends what is truly God's except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. In our prayer now, we want to ask this Spirit to help us understand the gifts we have received, and specifically to give us a glimpse, at the very least, to fill us with gratitude and thanksgiving for the mystery of who God is. You and I are very accustomed to hearing that God is love. It's a very familiar phrase. It can even in certain contexts be cliche. But what exactly does it mean that God is love? In the Old Testament, the people of Israel understood that God had a love for them as a people. They understood this to mean that he protected them, he looked after them. He had a very particular benevolence to them. Even more specifically, as time went on, they understood that his love meant that he had formed a special covenant with them, a relationship that was unique among all the other peoples of the world. But they saw this as, the point that I made, benevolence, God wanting to protect Israel in a very, very special way. But it's only with the coming of Jesus that we discover what it means that God is love, who God is on the inside. That God is not just kind of a, a kind of energy that just pulsates goodwill towards humanity, but that he is in himself interpersonal love. Three persons who love one another so perfectly and so completely. Their self-giving is so perfect that they are one. And precisely that oneness, that unity, is what defines them as persons. God is in himself love given between persons. 
And it's a kind of love that stretches any experience that we would have, goes beyond anything. And that's something we should give thanks for. We are not, uh, when we look to God, we're not looking towards a sublimated experience that we might have had in our own life of love. But rather, as St. Paul tells us, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived. We have no idea what true love is like. We're going to have to discover it. We will discover it in the moment of the resurrection and right now through faith, through our experience of the person of Jesus and our reception of the Holy Spirit, we get glimpses. We have an intuition. Throughout our life, we begin to grow. And what's so important is that those intuitions and those glimpses awaken in us a desire for more. And the liturgy of the church on days like today, the, the solemnity of the Blessed Trinity, invites us to awaken that desire. Lord, I want to know you better. I want to shake off the sleepiness and the routine from my life of prayer. A sleepiness and a routine that expresses itself in going through the motions and kind of more or less thinking that I've arrived and I know what's, you know, I just kind of keep the show on the road. Losing perhaps a little bit that hunger to get to know him more. To get to him know him more, more not so that I can have more energy to get done the things that I need to get done. Or to make me feel better and a little bit more at peace. But just because I want to know him because that is the best. And we do this, and one of the ways that we do this is through, and one of the most important ways, is, as we're doing now, through prayer. But I'd like for us to consider a little bit through effective prayer. And by effective, I mean not that it's, it achieves something, but that our affections are involved, our emotions, our heart. All of that, that sphere uh, of the heart needs to participate in that personal conversation, that friendship with Jesus. And it can, and it's helped in doing that, the more that we understand that Jesus himself is interpersonal love, the Father, the Son, united in the Holy Spirit. To consider this, it's, instead of we, whenever we're considering the Trinity, one of the risks is, is it can become so ethereal that it's hard we get lost, right? Our, our mind wanders off. But if we look to, as we should always in our prayer, to Jesus in the Gospels, we can see in the person Jesus that mystery of the Trinity being lived. And we see it, not you know, the Father visibly appearing in any way, but we see it through the confidence that Jesus has in the Father. Those moments when he says, Father, I thank you for listening to my prayers, but I know that you always hear me. That eagerness with which Jesus wakes up early in the morning to go out and pray. That late night vigil where he spends in conversation with his Father. That spontaneous confidence that Jesus has that the Father is with him at all times, that everything that he does is pleasing to the Father, that the Father is delighted in him that security and confidence. As St. John will say later, reflecting upon the mystery of Jesus, love drives out fear. We see that in Jesus' relationship to the Father in the Holy Spirit.
And what we believe is that Jesus, when he breathes the Holy Spirit on the apostles, when he sends the Holy Spirit, he is sending us that love. The love that he is inviting us to have is the love that he himself experiences from the Father and that he loves back in the Holy Spirit. So our prayer, considering the love that Jesus has in the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, in our effective prayer, needs to constantly be leading us to an ever-renewed sense of God as Father. And here, we, we need to, no matter how wonderful my dad might be, or your dad, or how wonderful our fathers might be, or how horrible, it's possible both, or you know, a whole shade in between, it just, that's not really the way to think about it. When we want to think about God as my father, I don't want to think about God as the father that I grew up with. I want to think about God as Jesus' father. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor human heart conceived, that's what I want to understand and experience and pray about. And by speaking with Jesus, by confiding in him, one of the signs that we're actually doing that and that we're not just talking to ourselves, is that Jesus begins to transmit to us this awareness, this experience of God as my Father in the same way, well, in an analogous way, if we want to be precise theologically, in the same way that Jesus, that the Father is the Father of Jesus. That confidence, that willingness to risk the possibility of failure. And all of that doesn't hold me back because I sense his loving affirmation of me. That when God the Father looks at me, he sees someone that he loves uniquely and unrepeatably. You know, there's, a, there's a comparison, you know, just when we, our belief in the Eucharist. You know, right now, we know that just in the city where we are, there's many, many tabernacles throughout the city. There's thousands and hundreds of thousands throughout the world. And we don't believe that that's somehow little pieces of God throughout the world, right? So we get, you know, one, one millionth of God here in the tabernacle and it's kind of divided up around the world. We believe that every particle of the Eucharist is God entire. The whole God. And is in mystery. And in the same way, when I believe that God loves me as Father, I don't believe that his love for me is kind of divided up or fractured among so many hundreds of billions of people who live throughout the world. You know, well, you know you've got to kind of divide up his love a little bit because there's so many of us in the world. But especially when, through the sacrament of baptism, I am inserted into the Son. I become his child. I am the object of all of his love. And in our prayer, we have to allow that truth to resonate, to let it settle in. And bit by bit, day after day, week after week, start using that truth as a light and a fire that burns away all the other things that have no place in our life as a result of that truth. 
that excessive self-preoccupation about how am I doing? What do, how do I measure up? What do people think about me? Am I okay? Am I lovable? Am I doing all right? Am I smart enough? Do I have what it takes? The more that we speak with Jesus, the more that we pray with him, the more that we are willing to let our guard down and believe in this love, the more we have to patiently and serenely battle against all those other considerations that are objectively opposed to this truth, this fact that just is, and it is not because I've earned it, not because there's something wonderful that I've done and I'm so flawless that I've, you know, but just surely out of God's goodness, he communicates to me through the Holy Spirit this power of being God's child. And then we do this not only in our prayer where we try to drive away those other considerations that separate us from this truth, but that also encourages us to action. I mentioned there a moment ago this action that sometimes involves risk, daring, you know. And here, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, we need to go out and, I don't know, you know, start a company or, you know, do some sort of amazing risky thing or, but the risk that's involved in praying, even though I feel maybe a little bit kind of miserable myself or I'm very aware of kind of how wretched I was with a particular person and, and I, I kind of just in a bad mood or just in bad form, as we say. And, and we may kind of wait for sunnier days for a better moment and then I'll be able to pray or something's going to happen or something's going to change. Well, it's precisely in that moment when we find ourselves in that state. And right now in our prayer, Lord, we turn to you and say, Lord, I pray to you and I believe in you, not because of any confidence I feel in myself, but simply because I am your child. That's my source of confidence. I claim that. I'm not going to wait to feel it. I claim it right now in my prayer. Because by revealing to us that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he is making available to you and to me an experience of that life. He wants to bring us into it. He wants us to experience what it is to be the son of that Father and that perfect love of the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is not a mystery that we contemplate from afar. It's not some sort of thing that we speculate about and look at from a distance. It is a mystery that God wants to repeat in our souls, in our bodies. Jesus says at the Last Supper, I will not leave you orphans. The Father and I, we will come to you and we will make our abode in you. That is salvation. That is God's mission. I said a few moments ago that we need to foster this through a prayer that is effective. It involves our affections, our emotions, our desires. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe just to stop right now and think about this past week or so, about your own efforts to pray. When you try to pray 
What kind of prayer are you aspiring to? And if you were to say to yourself, my prayer has been going well, what would that look like? How would you know it's going well? What would be some signs of that? It's good for us to just make ourselves aware because sometimes we can, again, be going through the motions. We can have unspoken expectations that we're not even aware of, and it's good to become aware of them. But one of the signs that our prayer is going well, it's not the only one, but one that I'd like for us to consider now, is that I am putting all of my heart into it. St. Josemaria, in many of his meditations and considerations of the gospel, would always invite the people who were listening to him to say, he would invite them to put yourself before our Lord and react. So often when he'd be preaching, he said, doesn't it impress you to see Jesus do whatever? Don't we fall in love with him seeing this response? Aren't we filled with admiration to see how he says? All of these are different ways in which St. Josemaria was saying we need to react with our heart to who Jesus is and what he does and how he says, is that happening in my prayer? Am I trying to contemplate the person of Jesus? And not without an, you know, kind of without an agenda, right? Where I want to kind of figure a problem out or I want to analyze myself a little bit or I want to understand something. I simply want to put myself in front of him and react. To let the Holy Spirit lead me. To trust that loving Jesus in a human way is possible. And to do this, we have to, we can't wait for it to just happen. There's effort involved, and that effort requires of us humility, the humility of engaging it day after day after day. And part of that effort, it's, it, we have to be careful with this word effort. Maybe, maybe I should say we need a gentle effort in our prayer. Right? Because the more nervous we get about this or try to tense it up, oh, I've got to have affections in my prayer, and I've got to feel that I'm loving him, and well, okay, it's over. Right? Because it's just... Whenever there's tension and anxiety in this regard, uh, we've, we've shot ourselves in the foot to begin with. That's not what Jesus is, that's not what God is asking of us. But the effort is to open our heart before him. And perhaps is an image that can be helpful for us. We have to, you know, just like when you open a window or a door, you know, it kind of depends on the weather outside, what happens. Sometimes a lot of wind will come in, Sometimes none. Sometimes it'll be very still outside. Sometimes it'll be warm. Sometimes it'll be cool. But all we can do is just open the window and allow what happened, let it allow it to come. In a similar way, the effort in our prayers, we put ourselves before the person of Jesus in the gospel scene that we're contemplating. And we open the window and allow our affections to flow as God wants them to. Sometimes there will be strong winds. Sometimes it will be still. Sometimes it will be warm. Sometimes it will be cold. 
The important thing is not whether it's hot or cold or much wind or not, or we feel or we don't feel. The importance in where prayer actually happens is in our exercising our freedom to choose and to open ourselves and say, Lord, I simply want to be with you. Put myself in your hands. Help me to understand you. Help me to know you. Help me to love you. We have to set aside that protagonism with which we are, is our default, default setting. The protagonism, because that's just how we experience life. I, I'm, we're at the center of our thoughts, almost necessarily, all the time. I have to do this, I have to respond to this, it's all down to me, I have to do the other thing. And prayer is a, an opportunity for us to, to step out of that. To realize that things actually don't revolve around me. I actually am not the center of the world. You know, it's very silly that we have to say that, but boy, isn't it amazing? You know, if we just think about our thoughts and what goes on on the inside, how quickly and easily we fall into that perspective. And by fostering an effective prayer with Jesus, where we f- meditate on Him, we focus on Him. One of the greatest freedoms that he gives us is a growing sense that I'm not the center, but the Father is. You know, one of the fruits of prayer is this ongoing sense of God's providential action in the world. He has it in his hands. I may not see how it's working out in individual cases, but that's okay because I know it's in his hands. I'm going to try to do the best that I can. I'm going to try to figure this out. I'm going to try to go forward. But if it goes well or it doesn't go well, it's fairly relative because I'm in God's hands. This isn't us abandoning our responsibility or kind of, you know, abandoning our freedom in any way. It's exercising it with wisdom, acknowledging its limitations. And at the same time, being filled with gratitude and peace that God is a Father who's watching over me, is encouraging me, and wants me to go out and to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And this effective prayer with Christ is also very important, not only to help us experience God as Father, but to help us experience Jesus as brother, as friend, very much related. If I experience God as Father, what that means is that I'm experiencing Jesus as my brother, as friend. And again, maybe it's not very good for you to think about the brothers that you might have or have had. <laughs> okay, that we, because as we hear those words, we instantly think about that, and that can be more or less happy. <laughs> but again, Jesus as brother the one who shares with, without any rivalry whatsoever. This is one of the things that we see over and over and over again with Jesus. An absolute lack of of competition or rivalry. Everything, he says, everything that I have, I've revealed to you. He says to the disciples. I've made known to you all things. I want you to share my life. It's reflected in the words of the father of the prodigal son. All that is mine is yours, he says to the older brother. 
All that is mine is yours. That is Jesus' attitude towards you and me. The, the thing is, is that we have to make an effort. We have to strive to make it ours. We are the ones who are suspicious and envious and competitive. Contemplating Jesus in the Gospels, reacting to him, responding to him, putting our heart into it without forcing it. And with that awareness that this is what God wants, even if many times, and I would say indeed most times, prayer like that is never going to seem urgent. There's a lot of things that can crop up that can seem more urgent someone who's sick and we need to pray for this person, or I've got this deadline coming up and I need to prepare myself for that, or I have this difficulty at work, or there's a relationship, or this other person is suffering, and things impinge upon us. They demand and clamor for our attention, and they seem more urgent. Rarely will we ever experience, you know, I just urgently feel the need to just contemplate Jesus, because that's really important today, and if I don't do it, you know, something, no. It may not seem urgent, but actually it is. If we are to be Christians living in the middle of the world who transmit the joy of Christ, the peace of Christ, how are we going to do that if we don't encounter it, experience it, and saturate ourselves with it through a contemplative prayer in which we open our minds and our hearts Lord, increase in us a desire for this kind of prayer. And that that desire have practical consequences. I mean, it gets really practical in the consequences. That we begin to discover, you know, one of the reasons I can't pray like that is because I have a, you know, a mild addiction to my phone. And generally, when I sit down to pray, I average about four to five text messages while I'm praying. Because things come to mind. And I remember, I'm like, oh, I'm going to text that person right now. I'll get that done. Oh, and then, okay, Jesus, back to you. Um, you know, considering. Is that a big, it's not like that's a big sin. It's not even a sin, really. Does it help me pray? No. And the more that desire that I have to pray grows, in consequence, the more that desire of putting the phone away should grow. And that desire, in, in terms of actions, I put it on airplane mode and I park it. Or I, I discover that you know, I, I need to prepare myself you know, more remotely. I need to, you know, kind of before I'm going to have that time of prayer, I'm, I'm saying, saying things to him in my heart, I'm reminding myself, I'm trying to recollect myself. Whatever the case may be, for us to try to, bit by bit, with with determination and patience, try to take those steps and make those commitments that allow us, from a human point of view, to foster this kind of prayer. At that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for so it was well-pleasing in your sight. 
it's wonderful to consider Jesus rejoicing at the sight of the people that he had in front of them. And what Jesus saw in them is something they were quite unaware of. Jesus saw in them the realization of God's providential plan that God was revealing to these simple people, people just like you and like me, the mystery of God, a mystery that all sorts of philosophers and wise men and different religions were missing, they were getting it wrong. But just because these people were willing to open their hearts, were willing to trust, were willing to listen to Jesus, they were getting it. And Jesus rejoices over that. He's delighted to see it. And right now as we end our prayer, we need to believe that that same rejoicing, that, that same delight that Jesus had towards them is a delight and a rejoicing that he has towards you and towards me. Again, we're sinful and, and we have our shortcomings and our defects. But Lord, I do want to love you. I do want to understand you. I do want with a greater desire, and I don't want that desire to ever diminish, to, to live in you and through you and because of you and to transmit that to as many people as possible. Trusting all the while that you and your fatherly providence are guiding me and encouraging me to life in the full. With simplicity, but with unimaginable depth, Mary understood who God is in himself. Mary experienced this singular encounter with the Holy Spirit. She loved Jesus as a mother, and she experienced the security and the confidence of God as her father. This experience and this knowledge is something that Mary wants to communicate to us always and help us understand and experience. And she will intercede for us so that this desire to pray in an effective way will actually become a reality in our lives. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.